1: What is the scariest thing that's ever happened to you at work? Send us your most terrifying work stories at eeriecast.com submit to have them narrated on Tales from the Break Room. We'd especially love to hear from those working in the fast food industry. Hi, welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Sometimes I'm glad to just be working with coffee beans After all, coffee beans don't just leap out of the pot and attack you. Except for the third full moon of a leap year, but whatever. People, however, are a different story. And speaking of stories, I've got a few new ones today to terrify you. Starting with an especially creepy experience with someone on the ethereal boundary between life and death. These are Tales from the Break Room. I used to work end of life care. From Nick. I grew up in a small suburban town in upstate New York. It's a quiet town where nothing bad usually happens, but coincidentally, nothing good ever happens either. I had just lost a job with one of the nursing homes in my late teens. My then boss, or former boss, told me I could apply to work for this other nursing home just down the road. I called, sent in my application, then I got a call back the next day to be a front desk receptionist. Back in 2011, I was making about 100 bucks a week. Woohoo. I was working for a few weeks there when one of the nursing directors had come to me and asked if I wanted to make a bit of extra money. I said sure. Who doesn't like extra money? She told me that I could sign up to apply for a few shifts of -of end-of-life care for patients. I said Okay, Mickey, can you tell me a bit about it? She explained to me that when patients are nearing end of life and do not have family with them, staff of this nursing home can sign up and spend a few hours with them so they don't feel alone. I had some experience with death, and at that point, I was even looking to go into mortuary science. I said yes, thinking that having that on my resume would make me look good once I applied for college in the fall that year. I worked at that nursing home for a few years while I was going to community college, and I have plenty of stories. I remember the first time I had a shift for end-of-life care. It was with a woman in her late 80s. She had no family, no kids to take care of her, and I had signed up to watch her for three hours. Most of the staff had gone home by then. It was a bare-bones crew of roughly 10 people for 300-ish patients and one nursing director. I walked in, very scared as I had only seen my first freshly dead body a few months before at my previous job. I was still nervous. The lights were turned down low, and the nurse on the floor had told me that the woman I was watching was not speaking. She was barely eating or drinking. She was likely to pass within the night. She warned me that if her heart monitor was flatlining, to pull the emergency cord near her bed, and one of them would come and check on her. I nodded nervously and I sat in a chair near her in the almost dark room with a woman I didn't know who may pass away at any second. Time went by very slowly, every minute felt poignant, and the air was thick. There were moments where I felt like walking out as I just did not feel comfortable. I had spoken with some women who frequently work this shift and they gave me some advice. They told me to sit close to her, to hold her hand, to tell her that it was okay to go whenever she was ready. They told me that even if she was not physically responsive, she could hear me, and she would appreciate that someone earthside loved her even in her darkest times. One woman even told me, make sure you open the window when she passes. I looked at her confused. When she saw my face, she explained. When a person dies, a window must be opened so the spirit can leave and go to their next destination. There have been people who have not opened windows in this place, and we have hauntings because of it. After ten minutes of sitting in the corner of the room, afraid to go near this woman, I pulled my chair up, took her hand, and immediately wished I hadn't. Her hands were cold, blue veins stark against her white pasty skin, Her lips were chapped, almost completely blue, as if she had eaten a freezy pop. Her breathing was labored, and she could not open her eyes. Thirty minutes in, I start to hear a wheeze come out of her body. Not her mouth, but her body. The nurse on duty told me this may happen. She said because her system is shutting down, some noises may come out of her. Okay, I tell myself, no worries. I squeezed her hand and continued my Stephen King book I was reading to pass the time. One hour in, suddenly the woman jerks her hand away and looks right at me with these eerie eyes. Her lips curled back into a snarl and she bared near gumless teeth. Her rancid breath heaved in and out of her malnourished body, contorting her mouth in ways I didn't think was humanly possible. I leaned back, unsure of what to say, as my body was paralyzed and I was unsure if this was supposed to happen. If I had been thinking, I would have run out of there and gotten a nurse. The woman then sniffed the air as if she were a wolf, smelling for prey. She tried to move, but her body would not allow her, her bones creaking and jumbled. She looked at me once again, her eyes crossing but unable to focus. She spoke with her stomach. He's coming to get me. He's coming to get me. In raspy, disconnected words, I gulped and swore. In an instant, she fell back, her head hitting the pillow and twisting her neck to the side harshly. She closed her eyes, moaning here and there, reaching her hands above her head once in a while, as if reaching to the sky. When my shift had ended, a nurse came by, asking how it went. I didn't know what to say. I somehow managed to stay the entire time, barely breathing, waiting for her to attack me. I said, fine, just fine as I didn't believe anyone would believe me if I told them what happened. I walked out of there, and I would be lying if I said that I didn't sign up for a few more patients. The things I experienced in this nursing home were beyond what was normal for the living. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: something followed us home from alexis N. allow me to share my experience which led to me having some major childhood trauma all thanks to mountain lodge psychiatric center in mahalisburg before i start i do want to warn you that the story contains mentions of self-harm To give you some background, my grandmother and grandfather had been working at psychiatric hospitals since they were 16. We basically grew up in and around psychiatric facilities, and we were used to anything and everything. Or so we thought. In 2002, my grandfather took on a position at Mountain Lodge Psychiatric Center, where they lived on the premises. During school holidays, my cousin and I would go visit and explore the grounds. From the moment they moved in there, weird crap began to happen. It was a four bedroom house with one long hallway stretching straight down the middle of the place. You could basically see from the front door to the back door. During the April school holidays in 2003, my cousin and I went to visit my granny and grandfather. We went on one of our adventures and found a waterfall. At the foot of the waterfall, we found a skull which apparently belonged to a female patient who had killed herself, and the hospital thought she had run away because they could not find her. Strange happenings amped up from there. We went home that night. We were minding our business in our room when we began to hear someone down in the kitchen, boiling the kettle on the stove, taking out mugs, the teaspoon tinkling on the side of the mug, chairs being moved and so on. My cousin and I then slowly tiptoed to the kitchen to surprise my granny, but the joke was on us because when we went down there, there was no one there, and everything was in its place. The kettle was ice cold, and grandma and grandpa were fast asleep. We went back to our room, freaked out, confused. We tried to distract ourselves by coloring in some coloring books. We didn't want to go back to bed yet and decided to pull an all-nighter. The house was quiet until about 3 a.m. when we heard taps coming from the bathroom. I popped my head out of our room and I saw that the lights were off and there was no one there. I convinced my cousin to investigate with me. We checked everything out and just as we decided to go back to our room, the toilet flushed and I saw the silhouette of a girl in the reflection of the mirror right behind me. Needless to say, we cuddled up next to each other with every light on that we could possibly find. The following day, we found out there was a girl who killed herself with a piece of broken mirror. Things were quiet for a while with the paranormal shenanigans, but it was simply the calm before the storm. My grandparents never had the best relationship, and fought regularly, but we kind of grew used to it. After my cousin went home, their fights grew worse and worse by the day. One night I was in bed when I heard one heck of a commotion. My grandmother came stumbling out of her room trying to hold her neck together, blood gushing and dripping everywhere. My grandfather cut her throat with a bread knife and tried to kill himself by slitting his wrists. My mind blocked out what happened next. My next memory was when we visited my gran in the hospital, my grandfather only a few rooms away in recovery. The only explanation he gave for his actions was that he was taken over by something. Something had control over his hands and body. Our family moved all their things that same weekend. We found out that there was a group of individuals who were doing rituals, trying to summon something onto that property next to my grandparents' house.
0: Maybe they were successful. Shoes under the red curtain from Leech Wife. First of all, I'm from Finland, so I apologize if my English is a bit clunky. I work in a store that sells sex toys. Examples vibrators, plugs, lingerie, BDSM toys, porn films, etc. Our store has a wide selection of products and we get a lot of customers from all corners of the country. Also, we get a lot of tourists, which is always a joy. I need to explain the layout of the store because it's vital to the story. When you enter the store, you enter a small lobby and across the lobby, there's two sets of stairs. The stairs on the left go down and bring you to the essential part of the store, to the products in the cash register. That part is below the ground. The stairs on the right go up and they lead to a small space with the bathroom and the back door on the other side. It was winter time and I was alone in the evening shift, which ends at 8pm. The few last hours of the evening shift are spent completely alone and never had we had serious problems. Of course there's always some creepy people. Junkies causing trouble or shoplifters, but usually things go smoothly. Anyway, in winter it gets dark very fast and I had less than 30 minutes left to the shift so it was quite dark outside. I was hoping this would be the type of shift that didn't include customers coming in at the last minute because that means I won't get home in time. Of course, about 15 minutes until closing time, I I hear the front door opening and a heavy set of steps coming down the stairs. Stomp. 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 The potential customer was a man, perhaps in his 60s. I've never seen him before. He had greasy, messy, dark hair and a long grey winter coat. He was very tall, average built and as he got closer to me I could smell alcohol on his breath. He had a worn out backpack made of leather. Nothing special attracted my attention just yet though. Do you have films with more extreme stuff? He muttered and quickly just glanced at me. Uh, we do have some DVDs, but most of them are quite tame. You have to browse the collection and check the DVD covers to find if there's anything you like, but... I am closing the store soon. If you want to browse them with time, you should come back another day. I answered in my usual cheerful voice. The man scratched his head and looked around. Are we alone? He asked yeah we are i was a bit confused but uh, i know some customers are very shy and they hate to visit the store if there are any other people around so i thought that's why he was asking that but the man smiled his smile was wide and kind of gave me the chills he wished me a nice evening and he turned around and just left stomp 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 upstairs he went I decided this would be a fine time to take out the garbage, so I fetched it from the back room and I put a sweater on. The garbage cans are on the other side of the courtyard and I have to exit the back door upstairs to get them. If the back door happened to close on its own when I'm outside, I'd need the key to the gate to get out of the yard. The back door doesn't open from outside. I didn't remember to take the key though, or my phone. Sometimes that happens even though it shouldn't. As I climbed the stairs to the lobby, I saw the man had not left yet. Not sure what he was doing, just standing at the front door. I wished him a nice evening and welcomed him to visit our store another time. The man smiled again, and I didn't like his expression. Just get gone, I thought to myself. I climbed to the back door made sure the door stayed open and I took out the garbage. It took about two minutes. I got back in, shut the snow off my shoes and got ready to close the store. And then I saw them. On the right side of the stairs leading to the bathroom and the back door, there's a small alcove, big enough to fit maybe five or six people. We kept some random stuff there. The alcove is covered by a red satin curtain that doesn't reach down to the floor. If someone stood behind the curtain, I would see their shoes. And I did see them. The shoes. Brown men's shoes. Still a bit wet from the snow. The man was behind the curtain. What the hell. For some time, I didn't comprehend what was happening. I just saw the shoes. And I withdrew to the bathroom, and my mind was running. My senses were telling me that this is not some ordinary joke. Why is he there? I have no keys. I have no phone. I have nothing. Only my cat is expecting me home. I had two choices, to return to the empty courtyard and try to attract someone's attention there. But what if the man followed me to the yard? I had nowhere to go. I cracked the door open and the man was still behind the curtain. Thank God he didn't see me, the curtain was way too thick to see through. Then the man started laughing. Well, it was more like a giggle like he was reminiscing something funny. I've never heard a grown-up man giggle. An unnatural sound in an empty space. I was both angry and scared, so this is how my day will end? Stuck in a bathroom, listening to that lunatic's giggle? Then I got my incredible moment of luck in a desperate moment. Through the display window, I saw three guys stopping next to the front door. They were discussing and smoking on the street, even looking inside the store. I was so relieved, and now was my time to get out. If the man jumped from behind the curtain, the guys could see it, and if they didn't, I would just scream like crazy. I took a few assuring breaths, and I walked towards the stairs, calmly, and ready to react in case the man decided to do something. My breathing got quicker and I felt nauseated. I got down to the stairs in the lobby and I dashed to the front door, opening it wide. The guys looked at me and returned to their discussion. I saw only one of them still holding a cigarette and realizing they might leave soon. With as much authority as I could muster in my voice, I loudly said, Hey! You behind the curtain! I'm closing the store now and if the alarm isn't turned on soon, the security guards will arrive and you won't like that. The man not knowing that it would take over 30 minutes for the guards to get there, appeared from behind the curtain and came down the stairs with an extremely uncomfortable look in his eyes. He looked so mean. You can lock the door. He began. Then he saw the guys behind the window and went silent. His mean expression melted from his face as he realized we were not alone anymore. I felt victorious and tried to look as stern as possible. Leave the store now! The man looked at me like he was disgusted and stepped outside to the snowy street. I locked the door quickly and watched as both the man and the guys walked away in different directions. Everywhere was quiet. No people, no cars. My knees felt like jelly and I started to sob. I managed to swallow the lump in my throat and I just leaned into the wall and I tried to breathe. After some time, I gathered myself, did the mandatory things to close the store and left home. Didn't see anyone on my short way home, thank God. The next day, I came to work and anxiously checked the surveillance camera footage. The camera system is very old and the quality of the footage is bad, but it showed how the man silently crept behind the curtain after me. As I was witnessing the horrible night again, I remembered something. He didn't have a backpack on when he left the store. I checked the alcove and there it was. I felt a wave of nausea all over again, but knew what i had to do i opened the backpack and guess what was in there it could have not been any worse a roll of black tape and a roll of hemp rope i tossed the backpack away his disgusting devices to god knows what it's now been several months i haven't seen him Sometimes I stop to think if it really went like that, if I really was in that nightmarish situation. Because of the camera footage, I know I was. That footage is saved. I am more angry than scared of the thought of seeing him again, and if he does come back, he'll be sorry. I discuss with my colleagues about what happened, and they promise me they will stay vigilant too. We will not be intimidated in our own workplace by anyone.
1: Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecastcom submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Breakroom is an eeriecast network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at @darkprevails and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Breakroom on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror themed podcasts at eeriecast.com.